welcome to Unbossed. So glad to have you here. Today, guess what we have in store for you? We're gonna recap President Biden's speech from last night. Republicans wanna cut Social Security, obviously. And an interview with Chelsea Clark, who's a candidate running for Secretary of State in the great state of Ohio. She is the Democratic nominee. And here to co-host with me, I have none other than Ray Vanna in the house. Ray, how you doing? I'm good, thanks for having me back on two Thursdays in a row. It's turning into a tradition. It is, I'm loving it. And Ray is a TYT rebel HQ contributor and also host of Ray Actions, which you can catch right after this show. Now, Ray, we got something really special going on tonight. I will be totally out of my depth, but we're gaming out the vote with Jordan Yule and John and you Mm -hmm. and me and a whole bunch of other folks. It's gonna be a great time. We're playing Fall Guys. I'm terrible at it, but it's for a great cause. So it'll be it'll be really fun. I'm sure we'll all be really competitive. It'll be really fun. So join us tonight if you can on Twitch. And that starts at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So come on, join join us. So let's talk about President Biden's speech. I need you to watch this. In a typical year. We're often not faced with questions of whether the vote we cast will preserve democracy or put us at risk. But this year we are. So the president is talking about, I mean, his major thrust of his speech last night was democracy itself. Let's take a look at this headline that brings home a finer point. Biden in our bones, we know democracy is at risk. So Biden's speech was a closing argument for Democrats who face an uphill battle in the election next week. While the race for the Senate remains a toss up, the House is forecast to flip in favor of the Republicans. 270 to win is predicting that the Republicans will in fact take back the House. Take a look at this map and this is what they are forecasting, 223 Republicans to 200 Democrats. So there is a lot on the line. Now in the president's speech, he struck a familiar tone and this is coming from a political article. It was a familiar tone from the president who has warned about threats to democracy before. But with the midterms just days away, it took a sharper tone, a sharper note. Biden blamed his predecessor, Donald Trump, for stoking division in the country and breeding election denialism. And he warned that election denying Trump acolyte were quote, running for every level of office in America, end quote. Let's watch this as President Biden calls out President Trump, big lie. You know, American democracy is under attack because the defeated former president of the United States refuses to accept the results of the 2020 election. He refuses to accept the will of the people. He refuses to accept the fact that he lost. He has abused his power and put the loyalty to himself before loyalty to the Constitution. And he's made a big lie, an article of faith in the MAGA Republican Party. The president is is exactly correct on that. Uh, President Donald Trump is in total denial. He has certainly stoked the flames of more hatred. There was a lot bubbling underneath, really deep in this country. And Mr. Trump brought all of that stuff up to the surface. Now in the president's speech, he barely talked about the economy 
And the economy, according to the people, the number one thing on their minds. Let's look at this graph here that shows that very, very clearly. That the top issue driving voters' decision for the 2022 midterm elections is, in fact, the economy. Ray, I wonder why the president did not talk more about the economy, why he didn't thread the two together, both the clear and present danger that today's Republicans represent to our democracy that Trump helped to cement, unfortunately, but also recognizing the, the deep pain that people are feeling in their pocketbook and yeah. wallet. Absolutely, he could have really seamlessly tied those two issues together because you're talking about the you know the very real issue of Trump pretending that he won the election despite losing by millions and millions of votes, with how he was harmful to workers, and that is the nexus right between the the economy and Trump because you know we are at a time where people are really struggling and because Biden is the president, they're going to pin that squarely on him. But he could talk about the massive tax breaks Trump gave to the uber wealthy in this country and and how little he did for the working poor, the working class. And that is, like you mentioned, the number one issue for voters in this election. And it just felt out of touch. Honestly, I don't usually tune into the president's speeches. I catch the highlights afterwards, but I had my fingers crossed, my all my fingers and my toes crossed that this was gonna be a November surprise, not even an October surprise, a November surprise to help push the Democrats through. Maybe some sort of relief checks because people are still hurting. COVID is still happening. We still need those checks and he owes us some money. Money that was promised to us, or any sort of relief, you know, the government subsidizing individuals who need to buy gas because gas prices are high, things like that. I mean, I live in Chicago. I actually just got a gift card from the city to help pay for for gas, which has been a huge, wonderful surprise for me, and a lot of very helpful to a lot of Chicago. And so. I was hoping he would announce some sort of program like that, something tangible that people could really feel the effects of. And it's important to talk about the attacks on our democracy and that really plays well with the democratic base. But you're always gonna play well with the democratic base. You have to get the people who are less likely to vote to the polls. And the way you do that is by providing them with relief. And he didn't do that, he didn't even allude to that. So you know, it could have been a lot better. Yeah, absolutely. And there were other advisors, you know, people around the president who really wanted him to focus more on the economy. And there was a way for him to do both, Ray, as we are both stating here. If you want to talk about the threat to democracy and today's Republican, and this is no exaggeration here, they are a threat to democracy. You talk about that and how it is linked to the power that you give people when you elect them to office. So if you care about the child tax credits, you know, if you care about increasing the minimum wage, which I kind of say that with an asterisk hooray, because the, the Democrats need to do a better job. The federal minimum wage is still at $7.25. It needs to increase to minimum of $15. And if the minimum wage was increased, keeping up with inflation, it would really be closer to $25 than it even is the 15. But let's just go out on a limb and start with $15 an hour. You link that to the fact that the Republicans have already made it very clear, crystal clear, that if they get the power, they are going to push the Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. That is part of the democracy conversation. You recognize the pain that people are feeling and not just pretend like it is not happening just because you are in election. See, Ray, that's the stuff that people are upset about. 
They, they tired of the illusion kind of stuff. Democrats are doing everything right. No, Democrats are not doing everything right. They're not fighting hard enough. But the, 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 the biggest danger right now, right now, because we'll deal with the Democrats. Let's get them in there and deal with them. We got to deal with neo-fascism first because it kills quickly. We can deal with neoliberalism once they get in. But he did not address those economic pains that people are feeling. And I think it really is going to hurt Democrats in the end, which ultimately hurts the people in this country. Let's stop centering politicians. Let's start centering the people. And if Democrats don't go hard in the pain, if they don't go ham on these Republicans, if they don't show what they can do and will do to change material conditions in this country, we're gonna keep having this seesaw that's going on right now in the election cycles. It's a seesaw. I mean, who in their right minds would put these Republicans back in control? The last time I checked, there are Republican citizens of this country, Republican people in this nation who need Social Security. The last time I checked, there are poor Republicans who could use a minimum wage increase. The last time I checked, there are Republicans who could use universal health care. So this is not a partisan issue here. This is a working class issue. This is about the working class. This is about the poor. And unless you got a sugar mama or sugar daddy or sugar something, you part of the working class. Now, some of us may be at the top of that, some in the middle, some at the very, very bottom. But if you can't afford to take weeks and months and years off from work, you are in the working class. And the GOP across this country are doing everything that they can to hurt the working people of this country, to hurt poor people in this country. And for the life of me, I don't understand why anybody would vote for them. They gotta go, Ray, they must go. Let's take a look at this foolishness and mayhem coming from Tucker Carlson, shall we, on Fox. Standing at this monument to his own failures, Biden proceeded to do what he now so commonly does, bark at the rest of us for our moral failures. The guy who showered with his daughter is telling you you're a bad person. Tonight's topic, democracy. Now, where in the hell did Tucker get that from? It's scandalous what he just said. He needs to come on tonight and apologize to the president and his daughter, Ray. Yeah, I mean, Tucker Carlson is disgusting. And to sit there on his white power hour and say that it is Joe Biden who's stoking the division in this country and not the the show that he does for an hour every night, and then the other show he does during the day, where he spews nonsense, white supremacist talking points and lies, and tells people that the Democrats are coming to your house to take your kids and vaccinate them forcibly, to take your guns, to take everything that you love away from you. That that is somehow more divisive than Joe Biden pointing out the very real fact that people exactly like Tucker Carlson are the ones who are stoking this division and and you know inciting violence. I mean, the person broke into. Nancy Pelosi's house and wanted to murder her. If you look at his blog, he wasn't posting, you know, Joe Biden videos. He was posting things that Tucker Carlson talks about: anti-Semitic conspiracy theories, anti-Black conspiracy theories. It is these neo-fascists spreading hate and spreading division. And what's concerning to me about the Democratic Party is that they're more concerned about the way that the right is gonna frame what they're doing as opposed to the, the things they're doing, playing well with the people because it's things that we want. Social Security and Medicare, two most popular government programs in this country. And God willing, we all get old, we will all need those things. So it benefits everybody. So talk about them, fight for them, and stop worrying about what Fox News, what garbage they're gonna spew after you stand for what's right. Ray, they needed you to write that speech last night, baby. That's <laughs> that's how it should have rocked and rolled. You were out, forget appearances. 
a lot of times folks in those seats, they really have lost the common touch. They don't understand that people are seriously hurting in this country, can't figure out how they're gonna make ends meet. They are among the working poor, which there should not be a such thing as a working poor, but there it is in the United States of America, a hegemon nation that people can't afford their insulin. Our insulin prices are higher than any other in the industrialized nation. And even if we got it down to $35, it would still be higher than anyone else's. That children are going to bed hungry at night, malnourished. And if they are, that means that their mamas and their daddies and their sisters and their cousins and everybody else, they're not immune from it either. So this is a 911. 911, what's your emergency? Democrats go ham on the Republican. We're being attacked by Republican neo fascists who are trying to overturn all the progress that we've made in this country. And let me just go ahead and throw in the Supreme Court of the United States of America doing everything, them dream killers. I mean, everything that they possibly can. So does it matter who is elected? Absolutely it does. Does it matter who holds the people's power? Absolutely it does. And I'm not giving anybody a pass, not the Republicans and not the Democrats. But if we gotta choose the lesser of the two evils on this one, it has to be the Democrats so that we can push them harder than ever before. Neo-fascism heals. And Ray just gave a very real example. We can give others of people going out the January 6th is just one of many where people are so amped up, they're willing to commit violence. We cannot and should not have this in this country. And we got to do something about it. So I'm calling on all conscious minded people. And Republicans, I'm looking at you too. Come get your folks. Come get them. So you guys got to get out there and you got to vote. Even if you're frustrated, you're mad as hell, please go vote. I know you're mad. I'm mad too. My hair is on fire. I used to have a boss who once said, if your hair is on fire, act like your hair is on fire. So we, Ray and I, we're not gonna sit here cool, calm, and collect and act like everything is okay. And we really don't give a damn what Fox got to say. If your hair is on fire, you need to act like it. This is a 911. You gotta get out here and vote and then push after you vote. Vote is the final, voting is the final process. It's the final step in the process. We gotta raise all kinds of hell all the way and push these politicians to do. What must be done? We need a social contract in this country. Oh, for the love of God. Ray, they're gonna have me calling on Black Jesus in a minute. <laughs> I am. I'm calling on Black Jesus. All right, let's talk about money and politics, shall we? So Summer Lee is being attacked. She was attacked in her primary. She's being attacked uh, right now. Let's put this uh, clip up. Earlier this year, a pro-Israel pact sent nearly $3 million. So David Sirota, so I'm jumping ahead of myself. David Sirota, the lover, did an article. He went and he interviewed Summer Lee, who is the Democratic nominee in this race. And he interviewed her one-on-one. And he caught up with her to talk about how APAC and others are pouring a lot of money into this race to help the GOP candidate. They poured a lot of money into the primary as well to try to defeat her, but she was successful. I believe she won by about 400 votes. In that primary, now she's going head to head with her with the GOP candidate, and APAC is at it again, helping to fuel and finance the GOP candidate. So let's put up some of what David had to say about this. Earlier this year, pro-Israel super PAC spent nearly three million attacking Summer Lee in the Democratic primary for Pennsylvania's 12th congressional district, running ads claiming she was a bad Democrat. 
Now, sisters and brothers and family and friends, keep keep the clip up. I can relate to that because it is similar to what DMFI and other groups like APAC did to me, that I wasn't loyal enough, that I didn't kiss the ring enough, that I didn't worship the Democratic Party enough. All of this sounds so familiar. So they're claiming she's a bad Democrat. Now the same group is spending big to defeat Lee in her general election race against a Republican. Sirota goes on to say that the United Democracy Project, which has been bankrolled by powerful pro-Israel advocacy group, America Israel Public Affairs Committee or APAC, and conservative billionaires recently put more than 1 million into TV ads attacking Lee, according to data from Ad Impact. The group has also spent about $80,000 on mailers opposing Lee. So when Sirota traveled to Pittsburgh to sit down with the Democratic nominee, and he wanted to ask her, or he did ask her, why did she think that this was happening to her? And Summer Lee put it this way. She said, I can't find no other answer or reasoning. She said it was because she was a black progressive woman. Okay, that's what she said. Amen to that. I, again, I can relate to that. And then she went on to say, I can't find no other answer or reasoning, but for the fact that progressive black women in these spaces pose a threat to corporate interests and to corporate power. And these are Republican billionaires who are worried about their bottom line. That's coming from Summer Lee, the Democratic nominee in the 12th Congressional District. Ray, your thoughts on this? Yeah, I always say our politicians are bought and sold. And I think people have sort of a misconception about what that means. Because when I say that, I think a lot of people conjure up the image of, of corporations or you know rich individuals, billionaires, putting money directly into the pockets of our politicians, which happens, but they don't have to do that. They have they, All they have to do is put a bunch of money into a super PAC and send that towards the politicians campaign because campaigns cost money. You need money to run, you need money to, to make yard signs, to put out mailers, to have targeted ads on social media, to have commercials playing on local news stations. It all costs money, which is why grassroots candidates have such an uphill battle to climb, to fight because they're taking small dollar donations from the real people who really support them. But the corporate candidates are being massively funded by these super PACs, by these corporations who have a vested interest in getting them elected so that they can carry out their will through their puppet politician once they get elected. So you know, a lot of people might think, they're getting money straight to their bank account, but it doesn't have to be that way. It can just go straight to their campaign and they can do it because the Republicans put successfully packed our Supreme Court with right wing justices who made the disastrous Citizens United decision to allow this kind of disgusting corporate money into our politics. Corporations are not people, they don't, they should not have free speech. And money isn't speech the last time I checked, but according to the Supreme Court, it is. So because of this, you know, right-wing plan that was decades in the making, they've been able to just completely decimate what little democracy we have left in this country. But that doesn't mean that you stop fighting. You keep donating to the politicians that you want in office, who you know are going to represent you. Donate your time if you can't donate your money. But you know, the fight's still here. We got to keep fighting, even if we're up against you know the giant that is corporate money. That's it. I mean, time, talent, and treasure. We can't give up as long as we live. We got to continue to fight because that's what they want us to do. They want us to give up, but we cannot give up. We must continue to resist. And more money should not give you more speech. Now, Sirota asked, I think, what is a very important question here. He asked several, but this one is hits at the heart of it. Do you think 
it goes beyond the Israel issue. In other words, is this about Israel? And this is what Summer Lee said. She said, I would never be able to speak on whether it's an Israel issue because none of their complaints against me in their million dollar ass have ever mentioned Israel once. I can relate to that. The same thing happened in the Ohio 11th district. None of that, it talked about being anti-Israel. It was all about not being as loyal to the Democratic Party and also went into some anti-blackness as well, Ray, colorism at, at the same time. Not really giving a damn about the struggles of the people right here in Northeast Ohio. It was just to get their favorite politician, their puppet politician elected. There it is. And so in fact, Ryan Grimm of The Intercept laid it out quite nicely. In fact, DMFI, Mainstream Democrats PAC, and the American Israel Public Affairs Committee has spent so much money that the question of Israel-Palestine now dominates Democratic primaries. Now, why should that be the case? What should dominate the primary is what the needs of the local people are, not the needs of some other folks who are pushing for foreign entities. It is what do the people in Pittsburgh need? What do the people in Cleveland need? What do the people in Chicago need? And et cetera, et cetera. But instead, because all of this money is allowed, it becomes the interest of the most money. So although these groups come hardest at black progressive women, I'm talking about real progressives, not just people who use the name because it's popular. And I'm talking about freedom fighting progressives. They also have their sights on others too. They came after Senator Bernard Sanders, who is Jewish, who did lose relatives in the Holocaust. They came at him. They also came at another, and that was Congressman Andy Levin. While Levin, a former synagogue president, describes himself as a Zionist and opposes BDS, the Michigan politician has frequently clashed with the pro-Israel establishment over his criticism of the Israeli government, including the recent introduction of legislation that would, among other things, condemn Israel's settlements while placing restrictions on U.S. aid to Israel. Now they came at the congressman like that and they were victorious against him. And all he's simply saying is freedom and safety and peace for Israelis and freedom and safety and peace for Palestinians. And we gotta have that for both people to be able to live good lives. You gotta have it. But they poured money in to defeat him and they were able to do that. I think Jen Perlman, an activist and host of her own podcast, Framed it quite nicely here with this tweet. APAC's mission is to establish a corporate theocracy. We warned you when Nina Turner and Andy Levin got sandbagged. Now they're sandbagging Summer Lee to help the GOP win the midterms. Remember this in the future when a Dem candidate is funded by APAC. And the last point I want you also to know is that they're also funding and helping Republicans who denied the results of the 2020 presidential election. So again, we need real campaign finance reform in this nation. We need people, both activists and people in the elected ministry to stand up and fight groups like this who are going in to attack people just because they are standing up for the interests of their constituencies. This is not right. What happened to what is happening to Summer Lee is not right. What happened to me is not right. What happened to former Congressman Andy is not right and a whole host of others. We didn't even scratch the surface on this. I need you to be aware 
And I also need you to fight for your interests because other people are coming into these districts fighting for their interests and they don't care about the interests of the local people. We'll be right back. It's gonna stay hot. We're gonna keep it hot today. Stay right there. Welcome back. Let's read some member comments. Here we go. So Prince Electric says, I love when Nina talks about fighting for the average person. That's why I want her to be our president in 2024. You better go ahead on Prince Electric. Don't you start nothing up in here today. (laughs) Thank you so much for that. I know that you're not just walking around asking anybody to run in 2024. And I, I do take it as a high honor. And that's one of our TYT members on Twitch. Nay Jelly says, love seeing Senator Kerner. Thank you, Nay. And on YouTube Super Chat, Manuel says, we got two female powerhouses on the show. The time space continuum is bending. You better say that, Manuel. Ray, I'm feeling that. I'm feeling all of them, but that's good. You have mm-hmm. two female powerhouses on the show. The time space continuum is bending. We are bending the time space continuum. <laughs> that is indeed a beautiful and powerful thing. Thank you all so much for your support and for tuning in. We do appreciate you here at TYT and we especially appreciate you on Unboss. Now do not forget about Brittany Griner, her family, they need our support. I'm gonna remind you of this every single show. If you are on social media or if you have friends and frenemies on social media, Please ask them the hashtag we are BG. That is we are BG. Forces are still out there trying to help bring Brittany home and we cannot give up. Let's keep pushing on that. And then our sisters and brothers and family and friends in Jackson, Mississippi. You can help us here at TYT as we try to help them and go and make a donation of any amount. And I mean any amount. Any amount will help. And I need you to go to tyt.com slash relief. That is tyt.com slash relief. Sean Hannity was caught in a lie about Republicans and Social Security. Uh, you know, now in this last ditch effort, well, let's lie to uh, senior citizens and scare them to death with lies about Republicans. They want to take away your Social Security and Medicare and cut it. Okay, not a single Republican has ever said it. No Republican supports it. It will be my objective to phase out Social Security, to pull it up by the roots and get rid of it. And you do hear people clapping. So you heard Sean Hannity said not one Republican, not one wants to cut your social security. And then you hear a Republican senator saying, "Oh yeah, we're going to cut it. We're going to pull it up by its roots. The old video shows Mike Lee campaigning on killing social security, which seniors depend on to survive. It cut the, the, the gap for them. It took a lot of our elders out of poverty. And you have Republicans waiting, willing and able to try to cut it. So this is a reminder, Social Security lifts 16 million people age 65 or older out of poverty. But there's more proof Hannity is lying. These aren't just scare tactics. Here are actual plans put forth by the Republicans right now. Republican plan, raising Social Security eligibility age to 70. Jack up premiums on elderly, strict debt ceiling to threaten entitlement programs. Yeah, this is happening in real time. We are not making this up. 
this clear and present danger is real. It is happening right now and it makes the midterm elections even that much more consequential. Also, Senator Rick Scott from Florida Republican has proposed sunsetting all federal spending legislation in five years, forcing Congress to act if it wants to keep Social Security and Medicare. Yeah, that is Senator Rick Scott from Florida. And note, Scott's plan would ensure chaos for seniors and the entire economy relying on a broken Congress to keep things alive. Rick Scott also oversaw the biggest Medicare fraud in history. Let's put up this headline that I want to remind you. Of course, Trump's new healthcare guy was involved in massive Medicare fraud. Florida Senator Rick Scott was CEO for a hospital network charged with $1.7 billion for Medicare fraud. That is $1.7 billion would it be. Let's underline it, let's bold it, let's underscore it, let's put an exclamation point on it. And then this man got the pure unadulterated gall to not care whether or not people are going to suffer, to really not care whether or not seniors can eat or get their prescriptions or just live a good life. They paid into Social Security, so they deserve it. So why on God's green earth would these folks want to cut it? I want to call them something else, Ray, but I'm gonna leave it right there. Your <laughs> thoughts? Yeah, I said it before, I'll say it again. God willing, old age comes for us all. So Social Security and Medicare are plans that if you're not using them right now, not benefiting from them right now, you will in the future. So it's an important thing to fight for, You know, not just because we should be fighting for people we don't know. We should be fighting for issues that don't impact us personally. But this is an issue that will impact you personally. So you should fight for if even if you're only self-interested. And you know, Social Security is often referred to as a third rail in US politics because it is a massively popular program. So that's why you have Hannity lying out of the side of his mouth. And saying that Republicans don't want to cut it because he knows that the majority of his audience is elderly folks who benefit from Social Security, they benefit from Medicare. But when those senators are talking to their donors, they're not as not afraid to say we're going to cut it because their donors are not the people who are relying on it. It's everyday average Americans who are relying on it. I'll also just say we see a lot of at age 65. I want to say I'm not going to be working until I'm 70 years old. So I'll be voting Democrat for the rest of my life. There's no way in hell I'm working until I'm 70 years old. I will, I will not let that happen. But we see a lot of people get diagnosed with illnesses at age 65 because you know what? And as you get older, health issues start to arise. But it is at that age 64, 65 because they get. Medicare and they're able to go to the doctor for a low, low cost and be able to get these diagnoses that they probably are is issues they were living with for a long time, but they never were able to go to their doctor. Even if you have health insurance, it's expensive to go to the doctor. It's expensive to have diagnostic exams and tests done. So, you know, people really, really rely on this, these programs for their own health, for their own wellness, to live in dignity, and that's something worth fighting for. That's exactly right. And we also have people on Social Security who are not 65. You know, let us not forget that. There is really something wrong with these Republicans. I cannot say it enough, these federal Republicans in particular. Now, Republicans are why seniors pay more for prescription drugs. Yeah, we're calling out the Republicans. Let's look at what they voted against. Let's put this up. Giving Medicare power to lower drug prices. They voted against it. Capping out-of-pocket spending for seniors. Republicans voted against that. Lowering price of insulin. Republicans voted against that. 
parent aid for seniors. Now, who Republicans voted against that? <laughs> Home and community-based care for the elderly. Republicans voted against that. So Republicans are voting against your your interests or the interests of grandma and grandpa. So you need to vote against them. They are not standing up for the people. And as Ray laid out, if we are all blessed to live long enough, we may need Social Security. We got to preserve it for somebody we don't know. And hell, preserve it for ourselves. These Republicans, they got to go. So society's thirst for violence. You know, Republicans are exacting. This is a type of violence against folks not wanting to support Social Security and wanting to cut all of our the, the programs that help people live a good life. But I'm going to go to another type of violence, our thirst for violence. So you probably heard by now that Takeoff, one of the members of the rap group Magos, was shot and killed on Tuesday when news broke that there was a video of Takeoff's final moments. There was a mad scramble by internet sleuths to find it. Yeah, people were rushing to find the video. Not so much to figure out what was going on, but they wanted to find the video so that they could see the the mayhem. Let's take a look at this headline, the graphic video of Takeoff's death. We are desensitized to trauma in America right now, and that is not good. Ryu goes on to explain, when it comes to celebrity deaths, the instinct for some people is to treat the news as entertainment. We've seen this exploitation before, particularly when it comes to black celebrities. Think back to the leaked photos of Kobe Bryant's helicopter crash, and more recently to the bystander recorded video of rapper PNB Rock's death, which circulated on Instagram in September. And it goes beyond celebrities. For instance, during the Black Lives Matter movement, a myriad of videos exposing police brutality and their unjust treatment towards people of color were shared across the internet. Videos of graphic police brutality were especially distressing to many people, particularly Americans, and led many to log off and avoid social media altogether. Why? Because seeing all of this is traumatic. There's a saying in the media, if it bleeds, it leads. But that should not be the way. We are deprogramming ourselves. And social media and the 24 hour news cycle exacerbates that rewiring in our brain, that thirst for blood. It is happening in real time. Ray? Yeah, it's so, so disgusting to me. I mean, I woke up and I saw the article about Takeoff's death, and it was horrifying. He was not much older than me. You know, he had a wonderful career, extremely successful. He was really close with his younger sister, and, you know, had built up this success with his brothers. And, you know, my first thought was, oh, this is tragic. I feel so bad for his family right now. And then I saw a bunch of tweets circulating saying, where's the video? And it just disgusts me. It is just disgusting to me that people are so, like you said, thirsty for this violence. Why do you think you have a right to see this video? And why on God's green earth do you want to see it in the first place? Can't you just read what happened 
and empathize with the family. And I will say I was really happy to see a lot of really viral posts saying, if you are posting the video, you are disrespecting the family, you're right. a disgusting individual. So the, the outcry of people calling out this grotesque behavior was, was a really good thing to see. But the fact that people are so, so, you know, Excited to see violence, and this is not, you know, TV violence, which is, you know, another issue. But I mean, this is this is someone's life that was stolen from them, and yeah. you want to watch that? Just disgusting. Very much so. And speaking of Hollywood, you know, Hollywood and other media outlets have found ways to capitalize off of the collective fascination with violence, sickening as that is. Check out this headline: Jeffrey Dahmer series monster becomes Netflix second biggest English TV show. Again, you know why that is? Because of our thirst for blood. Yeah, that's why this is happening. It was helmed by Ryan Murphy, the creator of shows like Glee and American Horror Story, who produced the show under his $300 million deal with Netflix. Yeah, you heard me correctly, $300 million dollar deal. So instead of making such a show, it makes more sense to ask the following. What more do we need to learn about Dahmer that hasn't already been made public? Why must we put the victims families through the trauma of reliving their loved ones murder? And that is coming from Asia Brown from the dearest news. And that is a very, those are very important questions. Why? How many more movies do we need? We already understand what Jeffrey Dahmer did. And truth revisiting and capitalizing off of such violence only further opens the wounds of the people who have lost their loved ones to violence. And the fact that we are so insensitive to it, we got work to do on ourselves, America. Lots and lots of work to do. Let's get to it. $4,000 Canadian strike fine. Yep, you heard me correctly. Republicans in Canada in Canada have created a bill to fine striking education workers. Yeah, it's happening in Canada too. Four thousand dollars you can be fined if you are an educator and you decide to go on strike. This sounds like worker intimidation to me. So Republicans in Canada aren't that much different from the Republicans over here in the good old U.S. of A. They must be sharing each other's notes. They looking at each other's notes, that's what they're doing. So Doug Ford has come under fire for a bill that would fine education workers and unions for striking. It is bill 28. Let's look at this graphic. Doug Ford's conservative government tabled legislation this week that would unilaterally impose a contract on education workers and levy hefty fines for striking. The move escalates a bitter dispute over pay for education workers, including custodians, early childhood educators, and educational assistants. What happens if this bill passes, you ask? I'm so glad we have the answer right here on Unbossed. The consequences of Bill 28 fines workers $4,000, that's in Canadian money, and US money it would be $2,900 a day they strike. A day, not a one time, but a day. And the charge the union about $500,000 in Canadian money, and that would be about $360,000 US dollars for striking. You heard me right. So they're going to penalize the individual educator or custodian or other workers in education, and then they want to penalize the union too. Ray, 
Yeah, it's really disgusting this attack, particularly on teachers. And you know, it really is the Canadian government's peeking over the border and taking taking notes off of what our Republicans have been doing. But this attack on teachers is horrendous, and a lot of people can be sympathetic to it because they think, why are teachers striking? They should be in the schools educating my children or the kids in my community. But you'll see with the West Virginia teacher strike in the United States, I believe it was in 2018. You know, the teachers were still providing the meals to the students because most, a lot of students in America, a lot of kids in America, the only healthy meal they get in the day is at school. So these teachers, they're not doing strikes because they don't love your children. They are teachers because they love your children. They love what they do. They want to do it. They want to continue to do it. And to be able to continue to do it, they have to be properly compensated for it. They have to have strong protections. And this is just a way to attack public education. This is a way to demonize teachers. And it's a way to undermine workers. Strikes are one of the few things workers have against their employers. And they want to take that away. They want to scare workers into not going on strike out of fear that they're going to be getting these fines that, you know, teachers don't make a lot of money. They probably can't afford to pay if you're a school custodian, you probably can't afford to pay it. So it really is just a systemic attack on workers and on teachers. And you know, I, I hope it doesn't pass. But if it does, you know, I hope there's a lot of strong outcry against it. And really the fabric of their communities, because when you hurt teachers and custodians and other people who work in the realm of education, we really are hurting ourselves. So the Canadian Union of Public Employees, they represent about 55,000 education workers. The union called for an 11.3% raise for its workers, often the lowest paid in schools, arguing that stagnant wage growth and high inflation have hit the lowest earners hardest. The government has countered with a 2.5% annual raise for the lowest income workers and a 1.5 raise for others. So how do you go from an 11.3% request and then I asked you for 11.3 and you're gonna put on the table 2.5 among some of the lowest workers in the system. Trying to crush the spirit of these workers. Workers go on strike for better wages and work conditions and benefit to make the environment better, to better themselves. They do have a right to live a good life. They are helping some of the most precious assets that we have. And that is our children. They deserve much higher pay in Canada, just as they deserve much higher pay here in the United States of America. And they should not be vilified. This is what this is coming down to, America and Canada. This is what this is coming down to. This is not the way that it has to be. So again, elections have consequences. We need to elect people who actually care about the people that they are going to serve. Let's bold and underline that and put a few exclamation points. It's supposed to be about service and not making people grovel for their pay. They're working. They should not be groveling. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. On to viewer comments, my absolute favorite part of the show. Speed Racer says they, the GOP, want to steal all the money in the SSA trust funds. That's why they want to kill it off. You might have a point there, Speed Racer. And on Twitch, thank you, thank you, Coke, for cheering. Oh, thank you for that, for all of that on Twitch. Yes, we are going to have a good time tonight. Do not forget to join Ray, myself, and John, and so many others, and Jordan. 
tonight as we game out the vote. Yeah, we need you. Join us on Twitch, 6 o'clock PM Eastern Standard Time. And now on YouTube Super Chat, Wildlight says, I like that name, Wildlight. We need citizens to have more power than corporations. Amen to that, Wildlight. We absolutely do. Let's keep working on that, shall we? Don't give up. That's what they want us to do. They want us to give up, give out, and give in. But we refuse to do that. We're gonna fight this thing all the way. And speaking of fighting, I am overjoyed to have here the honorable Chelsea Clark. And she is running for Secretary of State in the great state of Ohio. She is the Democratic nominee. She is a small business owner. She is a mother. She runs programs for families and just all around a great person and so glad she's running for this seat. I know a little bit about that. I know a little bit, Councilwoman Clark, about what you're going through because I tried I tried it in 2014. It is very hard to run statewide. My hat is off to you and any other person, especially a black woman running for statewide office, not just in the great state of Ohio, but all over this country. It is extraordinarily hard to do so, but I am glad that you are in the arena. Tell us a little bit about your race and why, knowing how heavy a lift this was going to be, you decided to run for this seat. Thank you so much, and thank you, Senator Turner, for um, having me on on your show. I am it is an honor, and I've learned quite quite a bit from you. So thank you so much. Uh, you know, in 2020, we had record and historic numbers of folks that actually said, "Hey, I want to be part of this process. I don't like what I'm seeing, and I'm going to exercise my civic engagement lever." And what they did in coming out in mass numbers, and what Ohio did in over 5.9 million folks that decided to get engaged, the response to that was over 400 pieces of legislation that hit the nation in voter suppression tactics, over a dozen of those states adopting them. That seems really counterintuitive to me. And so as a a political science business um, studies major at Miami University, I certainly understand what it looks like when democracy is on the chopping block and you learn that. And what I am seeing is exactly that. I'm seeing a, a loud minority that is trying their darndest to take away the the vote and the voice of of a people. Um, I think we're seeing it in Ohio. It is terrifying to me. And uh, you know, I've got some civil rights roots with my dad marching and being arrested in the Birmingham jail. And we this is my daddy's fight, and we aren't we are not finished with this struggle. We have come far too far uh, on this journey to go back. And the protections um, are much needed and is going to take someone with um with with a strong constitution to stand up to these extremists and insurrectionists in order to save our democracy and that person is me. Yeah, you're running to protect and expand the vote and I got chills when you said I'm doing it, you know, for my daddy. We do often when we do things of this magnitude, it really is for the for the past, the present and the future. So I applaud you for that. I want to play this. Take a look. I'm Chelsea Clark, and this is my business. I built it with a good idea and a passion to bring STEM education to underserved students. As a city councilwoman, I focused on lifting up small and micro businesses like my own, helping them get the tools they need to get ahead because our economy works when we support all hardworking people, not just the rich and well-connected. Now I'm running for secretary of state 
because politicians in Columbus, like Frank LaRose, have embraced MAGA lies, pushing voter suppression and massive purges from our rolls to stop Ohioans from voting who don't always agree with us. So the Secretary of State's office is in fact one of the most important offices. I would argue that if you do not have a Secretary of State that believes in expanding and protecting access to the ballot box that they throw off their partisanship once they are elected. Your job is to oversee the elections and to make sure that everybody, no matter who they wanna vote for, even if they wanna vote against you, has that access to the ballot box. And that's why it's so important to have somebody of good consciousness like you. And here in Ohio, the Secretary of State just does not only oversee elections, they deal with businesses as well. Talk to us a little bit about that, Chelsea. Sure. So the Secretary of State, um, as you've as you've mentioned, they also um, they certify the elections, which means they they review and and basically determine the winner um, of those elections. They are over all 88 boards of elections, um, so they are appointing people to monitor and see after all of these counties. Um, they also handle the business uh, registration and filing. So there is a portal um, for Ohio and anyone that is wanting to start a business goes into um, goes through that portal in order to do so. Um, what's interesting about Ohio, they also are a member of the redistricting commission. Yeah, uh, yes, they are. Uh, Chelsea, I listen, you're the honorable Chelsea Clark, I, <laughs> I, I wish you the best of luck. Where can people find you? And before that, I want people to know you're a sixth generation farmer. I was very intrigued by that. So I'm gonna have to have <laughs> you back so you can break that down for us. You're a farmer, right. <laughs> a financial analyst. Uh, you emphasize the fact that you are a single mom and in the 21st century to have a mother stand up and say that our foremothers could have never done that 20 to 50 years ago. They would not have been able to say that so proudly. And I am so glad because you give so much hope to other single mamas out there that they can do whatever it is they put their mind to. If people want to find you, where do they find you? Chelsea4Ohio.com. Chelsea4Ohio.com. Council Lady, thank you so much and the best of luck to you. Keep running hard and thank you for being in the arena. Thank you, Senator Turner. Yeah, we appreciate you so very much. So glad she's running that race. I was having flashbacks talking to her about <laughs> that. Woo, I'm telling you, running for Secretary of State is hard because it's not necessarily the office that gets the most attention. And it's hard to explain what the Secretary of State does is not sexy. You know, to talk about elections in that way, people don't feel as warm and fuzzy about it. But it is, in fact, one of the most important offices because that person can either help or hinder people's access to the ballot box. We're gonna do wishbone today. Of the three bones, it's the wishbone. I'm highlighting none other than the intergalactic intellectual himself, Dr. Cornell West. I was privileged to travel all over this country on behalf of Senator Bernie Sanders with the one and only Dr. Cornell West. Learned so much from him. He is a intergalactic treasure. He really does love and care for the people. We know that he is an author. We know that he critiques this society with a whole lot of love and brilliance. He challenges our very nature. Oh, the college students love him. I remember meeting him 
when I was in college, Race Matters was the book. And I was standing in line with the other giddy college students. Well, I don't know if I could ever call myself giddy, but I was very excited with my book, Race Matters. And I wanted the one and only Dr. Cornell West to autograph it, which he did with so much love. He shows everybody love and grace. And who would have thought so many years later that I would be able to be on the road with one of the people that I consider a living hero was able to do that with Dr. Cornell West. I'm sending him so much love. And so this is what I want to highlight from the doctor today. We all need to take this in. It needs to seep into our pores. He once said, we have to recognize that there cannot be relationship unless there is commitment, unless there is loyalty, unless there is love, patience, persistence. Never forget that justice is what love looks like in public. You can't lead the people if you do not love the people. Justice is what love looks like in public. You cannot lead the people if you do not love the people. Dr. Cornell West with all of his brilliance laid out what each and every one of us has a responsibility to do and to be. And especially if you are in the elected ministry. You know, a former mayor of the city of Cleveland, Mayor Frank D. Jackson, often says, you cannot serve that which you do not love. Him and Dr. West are on the same love train on that. And so we must demand more of ourselves. We must especially demand more of the people who we elect to office. If you hate government, if you hate the people, then why even serve? It is a service industry and it is one that must show compassion and uplift for the people. So Dr. Cornell West, thank you for all that you are teaching us in real time. And we are sending you so much love. Well, that is it for today's episode of Unbossed. Hope you enjoyed it. Can't wait to be with you again tomorrow. You know exactly what I want you to do. I want you to keep the faith, but more importantly, I want you to keep the fight. I'll see you real soon. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network like The Damage Report with John Iderola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.